hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone. I'm back. And Hi, <laughs> we have Heather back. Yay. Yes, although I'm, I was very grateful that Gabby filled in for me for an episode, mm-hmm. and I love Pokemon, so it's always fun to hear p- people talking about them, especially because I'm yeah. not as familiar with the newer ones. Uh, neither was I, which is how Gabby had a lot of things to say about the new ones, actually, because <laughs> I'm, I'm an old person, not as old as you, <laughs> but I'm an old person in regards to Pokemon, so I only remember the old ones. Yes. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember the original ones. I'm interested to see what happens with Sword and Shield. Mm, uh, that's what we talked about a little bit of, because neither of have neither of us have Switches. But Gabby mm. is in the process of saving to get one for this game. Yes, I uh, am tempted, not going to lie. Um. <laughs> Alright, so that was like the fastest tangent ever. Hi guys, yeah. how you all doing? <laughs> Hi everybody, uh, so we're talking about one of our mutual favorite authors today. Yeah, Agatha Christie. They have well over a hundred stories in the forms of novels, novellas, stage plays, under many a different pseudonym. Uh, pseudonym. That's a fun yes, word. yeah. She she wrote under a couple of different um, pen names over all of her years of writing, and you know, like Russell just mentioned, she has over a hundred stories and pieces of literature that she's written. Just books, like yes. literally just her books. She has seventy nine, and she also wrote plays and stuff like that. So yes, it's a did. very long list. <laughs> yes, um, I am aware of all this because during my formative years i i don't know if they're, they're a thing in the in the uk so i'm just gonna do a quick uh, sidebar but um it's it basically it's a thing where you get like an issue every like two weeks or something and eventually it builds oh. up to be a full collection i don't know if that's oh, something you have you mean like a book subscription but it gives you the entire series over time yeah. or something yeah yeah we could co- they're, um. they're called part works here in the uk they're really popular uh, huh. So... I don't know if that exists over here. I love books to to the point where it's, like, disgusting. And I have never heard of that particular type of service, so it may not be something that's very common over here. Um, one thing we do have, which I think you guys have in the UK also because you have Amazon, is um, Kindle Unlimited. Yes, we do have that. So if you which I love. I use that because it saves me so much money. If you mm-hmm. have an Amazon Kindle, there's this thing where you pay like 10 bucks a month and you can only have 10 books at a time downloaded onto your Kindle. But, but you, can, you can change them out. Exactly. You can oh, exchange yeah. them out. So it's like having a constant stack of 10 library books that you just keep changing out as you go through them. So for someone like me, who's a ridiculously fast reader, I I can go through a 300-page book in, like, two and a half hours or less, depending on the kind of... Yeah, I know. It's weird. (laughs) Depending on the kind of writing. Um, Okay. I think my brother had me take, like, a speed reading test one time, and I think it was... I was close to 500 words a minute. Something ridiculous like that. Um, That's ridiculous. I know. With comprehension. 
too. Like I retained the information. So my brain just likes to read. Um, because of that, I would go absolutely, completely broke if I bought enough books to actually continue oh, yeah, to definitely. read new things. Um, plus, my memory is pretty good. So I can remember the books I've read, which means I don't always want to reread them unless I really, really loved them. So yeah, I, I, in order to not spend like $600 a month on books, I have Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> so you spend 10 and just read whatever you like. That seems yep. like a good service. But yeah, basically mm-hmm. what this part was is every fortnight uh, I'd receive an issue and there were 85 issues all in told with books, mm. f- with all of their novels, all of their short stories compiled into like volumes and all their stage plays along nice. with magazines that sort of went into detail about them all. It's a great series mm-hmm. actually. But uh, See, yeah. that's really cool. I If that exists over here, I might have to look into it. I love Agatha Christie, obviously, since we're talking about her today. And I don't own her complete collection and I, I like completion. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it worked out at like six ninety, like five ninety nine per per issue, at the time. That's not that so, bad. No, uh, but they do it with everything in the UK. Like you can do it with DVD collections. They did it with Doctor Who, like for mm. for the when the series came out. They did it with pocket watches. Like you could collect pocket watches and Earth gems. It's real. It's a weird business. It's a weird business. So strange. And I kind of want that over here. Maybe we could talk about <laughs> that later because I just thought about that. If you don't have it, that could be a fun thing to cover. That would be fun to talk about, yeah. But no, that sounds like an awesome way. And the thing about that, too, I don't know about anybody listening or about you, but I like completion, but I also really hate it if you have, like, most of a set with the covers in one way and then the cover changes, like, when the publisher changes the artist or something and suddenly the look is completely different. So you've got, like, Ten books in a row that all look pretty cohesive, and then you've got three books that are completely different color schemes and everything. And I'm like, oh my god, uh, Heather, mm. uh, Heather, <laughs> you're you're touching on so many nerves right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was nice about all these books is they all came with their original artwork on the front, like uh, mm-hmm. as well on the magazine. But underneath, if you didn't like the inconsistently, you could take off the covers, and they are all consistent underneath all yes. of them so it was beautiful but yeah no i can't i can't be dealing with that either that that is one way to to like get me like even to the point of not collecting anymore because i'm like i can't <laughs> <laughs> i can't yeah yeah there there have been times where i like went to used bookstores to find the other covers just because i i did not want the separate covers like <laughs> i've got a couple of book series that i've done that with so that's yeah. amazing though <laughs> That is amazing. Uh, Why are we the same person, but like uh, um, in two different countries and a few years apart and different genders? And... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we just are that kindred that we were meant to meet. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. And this this is another huge tangent, but this was a oh, fun yeah. tangent, yeah, so I don't care. Great, great fun tangent. So Agatha Christie written mm-hmm. so many things. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm not sure when her writing career, like, started and ended. I I don't know the end date. I didn't look up when her last book was, or whatever, was published. Because the thing is, in my experience with people who do anything creative, whether it's art or writing or, you know, anything like that, even if they aren't necessarily putting out 
the product or publishing it or whatever, it doesn't mean they stopped doing it. Yes. Um, so, like, I'm sure that even if she wasn't actively publishing, if she was able to, she was probably still writing just for herself. Because that's, if, if you're using that as an outlet, then that's something you're going to keep doing. I do know that um, even though she had tried to publish beforehand she'd written like six different books or stories and tried to get them published and been denied every single time her first like really published put out their book um where did it go i wrote it down was uh the mysterious affair at At Styles, yes which she published or was published in 1920 Mm -hmm. and that was her first like real book that was published out there as a mystery and then her first big success was six years later in 1926 the murder of roger Ackroyd. yes um that one holds a very special place in my heart and we will get into later uh i might be um telling you too much there but that's fine (laughs) so yeah um that one it was a bit i see here's the thing i want to talk more about this book but mm-hmm. if I talk more about this book, I will ruin the book for people. <laughs> uh, have you ever read this one? You know, this is one of the few that I haven't read. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I've read a lot of her books, but I, my two favorite... Okay, so for anyone who hasn't read Agatha Christie, mm. just to fill you in a little more on who she is, a couple of her nicknames are the queen of mystery and the queen of crime. Yes. She wrote, she was famous for writing these crime and mystery novels and murder mysteries, and they're just, they're really, really good. They're really well done. They're the kind of books where as you're going through the storyline, you're like, I have no idea who did it because it could be this person and it could be mm-hmm. that person and it could be this person, and I don't understand what's going on. Yes. And then all of a sudden at the end of the book, her main character pulls it all together and your mind is just blown because as you were reading through there's all of these little hints and it's the kind of thing where everything is just so well written and so subtly done that it doesn't really click for you and that but her main characters because she's the one writing the book of course understand it and they pull it all together at the end and it's just like oh my god how did i not see that that's oh my god it's perfect how did how did i miss those details yeah but what's even better is if you keep reading those sort of novels, you eventually start to pick up on those little things, mm-hmm. and then you feel like a genius. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you, you start to pick up on the little hints that she's throwing in there if you've read enough of her stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, uh, small slight tangent. Uh, back on the sort of magazines that came with the books, what mm-hmm. I loved about those magazines is they didn't spoil who it was. Oh, that's good. So you could read through it and just get additional information about the people and still mm-hmm. not and not be spoiled on any of the stories. Okay, Which so is awesome. you were about to talk about your like two favorites, I think. Yes, sorry. So my she's got a couple of different recurring characters yes. that she used as the like the crime solvers. Mm-hmm. Um, my two favorites are, I think. Probably the favorites for most people. Oh, yes. I know she has others, but they're the two most commonly well-known. Yes, One is um, Hercule Poirot. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I can never say it. Hercule Poirot, I think, yes. is how you're supposed no, to say it. I don't yeah, speak yeah, you French said, You said that very well, actually. Okay, good. 
<laughs> I've butchered French on my show several times, on our on this show several times, um, and I apologize for it every single time because it's bad. But um, Hercule Poirot and then um, Jane Marple are two of her big ones, also known as Miss Marple, and they're my favorites. So most of the books I've read involve those two characters. Any of her earlier ones or her more standalone ones, I haven't read all of them yet. Yes. Um, those two became her most prominent <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, characters that she wrote about. And uh, there's a reason why most people associate with them in that kind of regard. Um, yes. Uh, I can talk briefly about my book. Because uh, obviously we've just talked about it. Uh, it's one of her first and mm-hmm. uh, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd is one of my favourite ones. It does star Hercule Poirot. But, mm-hmm. uh, and again, he is involved in a mystery. What's actually interesting about this book, while it might be one of the first she's written, it's after the, actually after he retired. Uh, oh, so, that's right. I remember y- hearing about that. Yeah. Or reading uh, it. Somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the uh, while we weren't privy to all of their previous excursions they'd come later uh, mm-hmm. it, the character was still very fleshed out and still amazingly easy to follow even though you essentially had no idea who this person was um, yeah and I, I like that idea too because it shows how well thought out her characters were because even though she hadn't written anything else for him, she was able to go back and write more stories that involved his past history to turn him into the character she had created. Or she may have already had it in her head and then just put it on paper. You know, we can't say, but, or at least uh, I can't say. No, uh, we can't. But I will say that during The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, previous mm-hmm. excursions and adventures are mentioned that are covered later, which is really yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, with certain people and places and because he'd been living in this retired town for a little bit people have heard about those kind of things which is always Mm -hmm. interesting but uh, yes you were going to say something I was just going to say see I think that's really cool because it's it shows the level of detail that she took for her books because even even if she hadn't fully thought out a plan for this Hercule Poirot character and was planning to write tons of books about him, because she may not have been, she hadn't had a ton of success yet, so she might not have been planning to make a series from him. But the fact that in her future books, because she knew she had created some histories for the characters, she went back and wrote them and made sure the names were the same and stuff like that. I love that she took the time to do that detail. And it makes sense because you have to be that meticulous with the details if you're going to write a good mystery crime book. Like, you have to. Yes, you can't have plot holes. Uh, No. No, Uh, which, to be fair, none of the ones I've written, uh, written, I've read, I'm I'm not a writer, (laughs) uh, that I've read have never had distinctly glaring plot holes although you can think there are plot holes until you get to the end when it's all explained and then you're like oh yes yes i will say some of the stories the way that it's solved at the end um usually i'd say like at least 95 percent of the information is stuff that you learn throughout the book but it's one of those things where you just it's so subtle you don't put the pieces together but every once in a while, part of it is that 
the main character, whether it's Miss Marple or whether it's Hercule Poirot or was it Tommy and Tuppence, I think, is the couple yes. that she wrote. <laughs> yes, I um, so. You know, whether it's any of those sets of detectives, sometimes there's a couple little pieces of information where when they're explaining the reveal at the end yes, of the book... they break it up. They, yeah, they break it down, and there's some piece of, like, chemistry or history or culture that they knew that was like a key piece in solving it that we just didn't have access to because it's it's a thing it exists it in the, the book or in real life if it's a chemistry thing or something but it's just one of those things where it wasn't mentioned because he knew and made an he she they knew and made a note of it mentally and usually it's mentioned but it's not necessarily something where like x explained. leads to y leads to z is explained yeah. mm-hmm. until the end yes but that still doesn't cheapen it because no. some, sometimes you can actually pick up on those things depending on how mm-hmm. well read you are. Uh, and that actually does come up in this book. And what's frustrating me now is I have to stop talking about it. <laughs> because before you reveal something? Before I say too much, I all I can say is it's beyond worth finding a copy, listening to it on whatever. Because like, mm-hmm. I prefer to listen to books now. Uh, this book is worth your time because yes. you will, the, I have not met uh, like anyone who I've, I've recommended this book to and who have sat down and listened, listened to it, read it. They have come back and we've had a good chat about it. So, yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, and honestly, the same could be said for, like, every single one of her books. I mean, one of her most famous, they just recently did another movie version of it, The Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can't say the ending, obviously. We're not going to because we don't want to spoil it for you guys. But it's literally one of those things where at the very end, everything just clicks and your brain just explodes. And you're like, oh, my God. How did I not see this? That makes so much sense. Oh my God, that's like, of course, of course that happened. Like, how did we not know? But at the time, there's just so many different factors and the way they, the way that everything is placed and the way that everything's put together, your brain doesn't put the pieces together until the very end. And then it's just crazy. Yep, very much so. Sorry, my mic had a bit of a moment for there. Uh, but I think that might be a good place to jump into our break. So hi everyone, welcome back to the mid-roll, you know, the, the best part, the ads. Um, so <laughs> today I'm going to talk about World Anvil. World Anvil is one of the Nerdsmith sponsors. We've talked about them a ton, but they're amazing and I can't recommend them enough. Everyone should go check them out, whether they be a dungeon master or a writer or even just someone who enjoys writing or reading good stories because there's a lot of creative writing on the website. It's a platform for you to flesh out and develop your world as a DM or game master if you're not playing Dungeons and Dragons or for if you're writing a story and want to flesh out the world that you're creating for that story. You can connect characters, you can create maps, there's all sorts of different amazing features and it's free unless you want to pay for the upgrade that has all of the extra features. Yeah, the the more robust, robust things. (laughs) Yes. But it's amazing, and you should check it out. It's worldanvil.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also just now launched uh, beta testing their heroes features. Yes, just look cool. Yes. Uh, all right. 
So secondly, we're going to be talking about Die Hard Dice. Die Hard Dice produce high quality, beautiful dice. So uh, pretty. So pretty. Uh, <laughs> they sell, they have their own polyhedral lines as well as uh, standard lines like with their moonstone dice. But what really they focus on is their metal dice, which they created the molds for. Mm-hmm. So if you ever see those dice, you know it's from them. They're easy to read. They're beautiful. And they're still trying to create new designs with them right now. They're in their Spellbinder series, which they've got Royal, which is red and purple. And then there's mm-hmm. a, a Phoenix one, I think, for, for gold and red, which are just gorgeous. And they're also now starting with uh, accessories, because they've just released their Scroll of Rolling, which holds two full dice sets, and you can roll it up. And it's a portable dice tray and holds the dice. It's gorgeous check them out if you do want to purchase anything uh, from their site you can use the code geek yourself to get 15% one five off your first or next order so yeah if you mm-hmm. want to roll with the best that's dieharddice.com and they in honor of pride month because this is Ooh. June when this episode oh, yes, is coming yes. out um, they just released some new uh, finishes is I think the term, on their dice so that instead of being the really super shiny, they're more matte or frosted looking. And they have a whole rainbow of the metal dice in those colors and they're so pretty. You should definitely go take a peek. It's dieharddice.com. Also for Pride Month, Nerdsmith has a pre-sale going on right now. You can go to nerdsmith.org for more information. We've got links all over our Twitter and everything, but we are doing pre-sales for our dragon pride or dragon egg pride pins. Yep, um, I've looked at them. They're gorgeous. <laughs> I am going to pick one up. Uh, essentially, they're just. It's the first dice that. Not first dice. Oh, first <laughs> pin that's being offered by Nerdsmith. Yes, yes. We have a, a pin line coming. It's in the works. Um, but this is the very first one. It is a scaled dragon egg. With the colors of the these, rainbow. Yes, and the scales are in the pride rainbow. Um, and this month, for all of June, all of our pre-sale purchases, all those orders, every bit of the proceeds will be going to the Trevor Project, which is a wonderful organization that supports um it has anti-suicide and crisis counseling for LGBTQ plus youth who are in crisis or need someone to talk to, anything like that. It's an amazing organization. And for all our pre-sales, any money that Nerdsmith would normally make after costs is gonna go to the Trevor Project instead. Yeah, we love them. They do amazing work. Mm-hmm. They have a 24 hour crisis line and that all needs to be paid for. So we're very happy to support them in whatever way we can. Yes, definitely. So, They're amazing. So yeah, if you want to go and check out the pins, you can go to www.nerdsmith.org forward slash pride and then you'll see the link, uh, which has a beautiful high-res photo of the pins mm-hmm. if you want to check them out. Please consider yes. doing so. It all supports charity, but don't feel any uh, obligation to do so. Finally. And oh, sorry. Go ahead. We're, I think we're about to say something, but finally... The Nerdsmith Network has spent time over the past few weeks uh, highlighting some of our other shows, and this week we're talking about Dear DM. Yes. Yes. Uh, Dear DM is run by our friend uh, Joe Collins, um, mm-hmm. amazing dude. Uh, he sings, he plays D&D, and I don't understand how he has time for everything he does. 
No idea. I don't think he sleeps. Ah, is, that might is really be. the trick. He must secretly be an elf, so he just has to like meditate for a few hours to that, get his rest. That must, I, that must be it. You're right. Anyway, like, so that would make sense. So DM. But yeah, it's it's an amazing podcast. Mm-hmm. He give, he interviews different DMs and asks them questions from his audience as well as some of his own to find out more tips and tricks for all of you who are at home DMs. So whether you're a brand new DM and you're looking for those hints on how to get started or whether you're a really seasoned DM but you just want some tips to kind of up your game, it's a fantastic uh, podcast to listen to for that information. He's interviewed all sorts of people. He's interviewed the DM from Broadswords and he's also interviewed Matt Mercer. Uh, Logan was on one episode, I think, as well, wasn't he? Yes, sure. yes, yes. Logan was on an, uh, at least one episode of Dear DM. I think yes. he's a part of the bonus content as Ooh. well. All right, and with that, let's get back into this week's episode. So, we've just had a bit of a talk about my personal favorite book. Do you have mm-hmm. one that you could talk about a little bit without obviously spoiling it? Um, you know, there's so many yes <laughs> I'm, that is I'm trying to, yeah okay i'm Why trying to think where to start i i think mm. it's easier to talk for me at least because i don't necessarily have one of her right. books where i'm like this is it for me this you. is my standout mm-hmm. um the closest one would probably be murder on the orient express mm-hmm. just because of how incredibly well she figured out all the details to make everything come together at the end. Um, without giving away spoilers, from the title, you can tell that clearly what happens is someone gets murdered. That's not a shocker. Um, basically, the main character in this book is Detective Hercule Poirot. Um, and he is Belgian, not French, which is very important in many factors. And very particular, but he's brilliant, a brilliant detective and notices all of these little details. What happens is, again, short version with no major spoilers, what happens is there's a bunch of people on a train together traveling from one spot to another. And this particular train is known as the Orient Express because it's going through parts of Asia in the Orient. And... Uh, what happens is someone gets murdered and they're on a train. So there's a limited number of people who could potentially have done such a thing. And Hercule Poirot has to start trying to figure out who done it. Yes. Uh, what's interesting about this train is, of course, it is a non-stop train. Mm-hmm. So nobody who's on the train can leave. And there's still a considerable amount of journey left, which... I think actually comes up like as a point. Uh, it's been a while since I've, uh, which I've actually read this one. Unfortunately, I should reread it <laughs> because uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, unlike you, my memory is <laughs> bad enough that sometimes I can enjoy a book twice, which is really well, interesting yeah. thing with a whodunit because, <laughs> you know, yeah, normally they're a kind of one and done kind of thing. <laughs> to a certain extent, yeah. It depends mm. on how well they're written. Like I... Yes. I can reread an Agatha Christie book, no problem, because it's just oh. so well written that it doesn't matter if I remember who actually did no. it at the end. And sometimes it's um, fun to, to go back through it to actually mm-hmm. piece everything together now you know. So I've done that a couple of times. Yes. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the most recent movie that came out, I think, did a pretty good job of portraying all of the characters and Hercule Poirot. I was a little, like, on the fence about mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh yes. as Hercule Poirot because I'm so used to the original actor. 
Um, mm. For anyone who's not ever seen one, um, I watched them on A&E over mm. here. I don't know what station put them out in England. It, but it, there it was, was ITV. <laughs> ITV. Mm. But there have been many, many series where her books were turned into, um, like, mini dramas on TV. Mm. So basically, like, either a really long episode or, like, two long episodes, but mm. not technically a movie. Yes, it's and about two hours that, long, roughly. Yeah. And there's some that have been turned into movies as well, but it's yes. like a part one, part two sort of thing most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. And uh, um, these mainly focused on Miss Marple and her Kuporo. And I believe yes. we're about to say the same actor of David uh, Susho, who yes. played. Yes, oh my God, I love him so much. <laughs> interesting small tangent. He lives in the, he lives in the, 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 the in my town. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, um, I've never met him, unfortunately. But yeah, um, I live in a place called Burntwood. And just on the outskirts of that, like the main sort of town is Litchfield. He lives within Litchfield. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. He's ama- he's, the oh, character yes. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does such a good do- job portraying him in all of the episodes I've ever seen him in. So for me, he is Hercule Poirot. Mm-hmm. But I will say Kenneth Branagh did a good job. Um, yes, actually. But I... Th- I think for me, um, rather than it being a specific book, it's the two characters, Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot, that I just, no matter what they're in, I enjoy the book. Um, and it's for similar reasons. So with Miss Marple, for anyone who's never read her one of her stories, Miss Marple is a much, much older woman. And she is... Um, she's never been married. She lives by herself. She loves to knit. She's super sweet to everybody. She's just like the friendly little old lady, but she's also a little bit of a busybody, likes to know what's going on, but in a good way, not in the like gossipy pain in the butt way. And she goes around and ends up visiting friends and family and these things just happen near her. So as opposed to being a detective who gets called in, it's more like the detectives are like, yeah, hi, hi, Miss Marple. Go away now, please. Yes. They, they, they want her to leave them alone. But mm. she's brilliant at putting the pieces together. Absolutely. Because no one suspects her of anything. No. She seems like a sweet, slightly kooky old lady. And so nobody gives her a second look. They, they tell her things. They don't tell the police. They're not as careful around her. They assume that they've tricked her whenever they lie to her. They, they underestimate her completely. And then at the end, she's like, actually, detective or inspector, yes. this is what happened. And yes. just gives all the information yeah. and solves the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because yes. everyone mm-hmm. underestimated her, so she was able to gather all the information. Yeah. And for me... Being a woman. Yes, absolutely. Um, being someone who is not physically intimidating. I am very short. I am 5'1". Most people look at me and are like, oh, Pat, Pat, you're cute. Like, it's not, <laughs> I, I am not physically intimidating or anything. And so with both of those factors, it is not uncommon for those of us who fall into that same category as me being underestimated because we don't look intimidating and we we're female, which for a lot of people, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, automatically puts you into the, like, less threatening zone. And so seeing another woman who was also rather small, from what I recall of her description, um, being underestimated and then being like, actually, here's what happened, and I just solved the whole thing, was yes. amazing. Because mm-hmm. obviously Poirot doesn't necessarily have... <laughs> 
that issue. He still mm-hmm. can have a bit of a bumbling personality, like he's not like he's intent like like unintentionally getting into places where he shouldn't be. So like they both yeah. have that kind of atmosphere, and with him being um, multinational for most of the stories, that kind of helps play. It's like oh, he he's not going to understand anything when of course he's the smartest man in the right. room. Yeah, there's people who assume he doesn't... So, for anyone who isn't aware of it, mm-hmm. there is a stereotype. Mm-hmm. For, and I think it's a true stereotype for both Americans, but also for British people. Mm-hmm. Um, especially back in the day when she was writing these books. Oh, yes, definitely. A ster- a stere- like, it's not as much now, but way back when, this was a major stereotype. Mm. That British people thought they were better than everyone. And therefore underestimated everyone. Um, not saying it is true. It is a stereotype, which is not automatically true. So please don't add us. We're not saying it's true. But um, that was a thing back then when she was writing these books. And so Hercule Poirot is able to take advantage of that because he's foreign. So people in her books are often British or there's some British and some other nationalities but usually british focused because that's where she what she knew and so a lot of times they underestimate him at least in part because he's foreign um also he is also a smaller person he's he's described as yeah he's described as being a more petite gentleman as opposed to like a big hulking bruiser of a detective um so again, that was another thing where I connected with him in that level, like being a smaller, less intimidating per- person physically. Um, but also, he is extremely intelligent, which is, I- I'm not going to say I'm as intelligent as Hercule Poirot, that's not accurate. But I consider myself a fairly intelligent person, and I love information, and I love data. So seeing another person who was smaller but fairly intelligent and had turned that into being able to solve all of these amazing cases was something I connected with. Also, just as a point while we're talking about this, without violence. Because so many detectives are on TV now. And it's not a bad thing necessarily, but there's like Luther and the Sherlock and stuff. There's always a fight, Mm -hmm. or there can be a fight. Well, I understand why that's part of the narrative. It's so nice and refreshing to be able to go back to those where they never lay a hand on anyone. Yeah. No, they really don't. No. I, they There are a few instances where they defend themselves, but that is vastly different. They will never chase someone down and tackle someone. No. But they will no. know they'll be back from their own hubris. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's such, um, yeah, it's just so refreshing and important to see, personally, because I'm somebody who is a fairly large person, and, you know, like, I, I don't feel they ever need to, to come across as threatening or intimidating, so to have no. somebody to idolise in that kind of respect who doesn't need it is yes. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think the idea for the idea for both of them that you don't have to be physically intimidating, you don't have to be violent, you don't have to be aggressive in order to be successful is something that can resonate with a lot of people. So for for all of those reasons, they are my two absolute favorite characters. I do like her other characters that she's written, and I like Tommy and Tuppence, which are a married couple who solved crimes together in several of her books. But I 
will always, always have a special place in my heart for Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot. And for anyone who doesn't like reading but thinks but loves mysteries, you can find a lot, I think pretty much all of her books on audiobook. Um, you can also find um, the miniseries that Russ and I are talking about, the ones that have um, the Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple mysteries. You can find them on like all over streaming platforms. I've seen them on Netflix. I've seen them on Amazon Prime. I've seen them on um, like, you know, HBO and Stars apps and stuff like that, depending on what kind of options you have there so they're not hard to find if you look I mean you could literally type in Agatha Christie into a search bar for pretty much any streaming platform and you're gonna get something so oh I was just gonna say definitely an option yep and um you know I'm looking at our time on this episode yes um, which is already over 30 minutes. Sorry, everybody. It's fine. Um, I'm thinking, so we talked about her books a lot yes. this time around and what we loved about her writing. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if maybe we should do our next episode on her life. Yes, because more. her life is also a... very interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I can get behind that because if we're already ahead, yeah, we can make this a, like a, a, do, a two week thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we're going to call it good on this episode right now, guys. Yes. Um, But we'll be back again next week to tell you a little more about the author herself, who (laughs) also had a very mysterious and interesting life. Yes. um, All right. All right. So we'll talk to you next week, guys. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself.